Hello and welcome to our first show. What is this show, Jim? Fire Your Boss. What do you mean, Fire Your Boss? Well, um, the idea came from uh, the thought that there's, over the years, I've met a lot of people who are trapped in jobs that uh, may just not know how to get out, have direction, or anybody in their life to kind of coach them through the process of exiting. But everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants control of their income. Everybody wants more control of their schedule. And the only way that I've found to do that is to be out on your own and start your own business. And so that was the genesis of it. That's awesome. Well, I'm Kiko Suarez. I'm the co-host of this FYB Fire Your Boss. And I'm joined here my real good friend, Coach V2. And did I pronounce your name correctly? Because for a Spaniard to pronounce that mm. name is kind of funny. For Spanish, that's perfect. For a how do you, Americano, how do you it well, just V2. 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 It's letters, 27 pronunciations. Jim. Well, from now on, I think it's going to be Jim and Kiko, Kiko and Jim. And we are delighted to be here and starting this podcast to exactly try to do that, which is give people tips and tricks on how to start uh, their own business and especially fire their boss. So, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about this, Jim. It's always been a, a pleasure to get to know you, but um, we need to know your story because that is what really inspired this whole thing. So you have to tell us more about you and then how is this fire your boss something that matters? Well, I came from a lower middle class family in northern Indiana, and I didn't see any evidence of anybody starting a business, running a business. They were all blue collar workers. And so therefore, my training was to go to school, get good grades and get a good job. And I didn't even have business ownership on my mind, but it wasn't even in my belief system, not not even on my radar, didn't even know a there was no money for college. And so the choices were be a guitarist in a heavy metal band, stay in South Bend and go to night school and work in my dad's factory, or to go into the military and earn money for college that way. And I've been told since I was very young that my destiny was to be the first one to graduate college for my family. But my parents never saved a dime for that. <clears throat> and I didn't find out until late in my senior year. So I chose C. And I went into the military for three years full-time, got deployed to combat. It just went from 18 to 21 in the military, but really went from like 18 to 30 as far as just an emotional standpoint and maturity standpoint. I found out that life was short and this wasn't a dress rehearsal. And so when I got out, my best friend had gone to Purdue. And so I just drove from Fort Hood, Texas to Purdue, enrolled in school and started my journey there towards I don't know, success. I don't know what I was looking for. I just knew that it seemed like making more money and success was the on, on the other side of a college degree. And so that's what I did. Uh, I did get a degree and I met my dream girl at Purdue about two years in. She got a degree from there as well. And she got a teaching degree. So when she graduated, she became a teacher. I got a psychology degree. So when I graduated, I got recruited into retail management and I got an internship in Indianapolis as a supervisor at a publishing company first. And that's how we kind of got roots in Indianapolis because I already had a job here. So when she graduated, 
there was plenty of teaching positions here in Indy. And then I got recruited into retail management and worked my way up the corporate ladder like I was told to do. So I went from store manager to district director to eventually regional director of operations, which was like an executive role in the company. And by the time I was 30, I was completely burnt out. I was managing 35 offices. I was driving about 30,000 miles a year, going to a chiropractor twice a week for back issues, stressed out all the time, um, threats made on my life because I passed somebody up for promotions. And my wife said, look, dude, you're going to have to change careers. Like you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 40 or we're going to be divorced or both. So she gave me some like locker room talk. And honestly, I can't take any credit for it because again, I, I didn't have a goal of starting a business, but the person that sat down with me kind of broke it down. And, uh, you know, I believe God brings people to your life at the right time for the benefit of all. And he said, look, you're managing 35 offices. What if you could manage one office, double your income and control your own schedule? I'm like, is it, is it legal, moral and ethical? And if it gets checked, gets all those three boxes checked, I'm in. I didn't have any background, any desire, but I wanted to be free. And I wanted to have more control. That's all I knew is I had no control. I had no control, very little control over my income, very little control over my time. Um, I didn't have any ownership opportunities because my last name wasn't Davis and I was already married. So I wasn't marrying into the family business. They had like 750 locations nationwide and the owners were brothers. The HR director was a cousin. The CFO was the HR director's husband. The managing directors, I think two out of the four were family members, so that was not an option. And the other thing that bothered me too is I could never help anybody get higher than I was, right? So I could never have anybody, like if I was a regional director, that's probably as high as I was going to go. I was the youngest of 16 executives in a company, but I couldn't promote anybody to regional director. So I had to come up with great games, as I'm sure a lot of people in corporate America do, on why it's a great fit for them to stay in the same position they're at. <laughs> and that was just, I just didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel right about it. And I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. And that's kind of how I accidentally got into business. That, that to me is such a fascinating story because, but, but, but I have to ask you something before. When did you fire your boss? <laughs> oh, well, that was March 24, 2002. So I've been so full-time. Exactly the date and everything. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was a mentor of mine that was coaching me because like many people do is I'd like to date before I get married. And so I started my business part-time. Again, I came from lower middle class, broke upbringing, 800 square foot home that I grew up in. And so, and I can do a lot of heavy lifting and I was used to getting yelled at and cussed out every day in the army, uh, every day in road construction. So the stress at my corporate job really wasn't overwhelming because I can, I have big shoulders. I can take a lot, but that's problematic because I would take that into my home and dump it out. And it was creating relationship issues that started to impact my family. And so that's unacceptable. And so I kind of mapped it out 
and I was part-time for about a year and a half. And I turned in my, I drove to Mason, Ohio and turned in my one month notice because I was that loyal to the company. I didn't want to give a two week notice because I knew my position would be hard to fill. So I offered to do interviews or whatever it would take. And so February 24th, 2002 was the day I got my five years of tenure. So I got more, I got 20% more of my 401k, 20% more of my non-qualified plan and all the, you know, bonuses and all that stuff. And so I gave my 30 day notice. So that's why I'd always, I always remembered March 24th. And then over the years, it just kind of became a thing where I said, you know, uh, I think it was on a talk I gave one time and I, and I just kind of brainstormed it and said, you know, July 4th, 1776 was the country's independence day, but March 24th, 2002 was my family's independence day. That's, that's, that's pretty fascinating. And I, and I <clears> love <throat> this story because as I told you many times, I was born in Spain, came here, became a U.S. citizen. And one of the things that I really love about this country is this idea of liberty and, and freedom and free markets. But you connected it with a with a deep core value of independence and liberty at a different level. I mean, it's just unbelievable to hear you talk about these things that way, man. I really love it. Well, the name of our the name of my company is the Batu Group, but the name of my team within that we kind of have team bonding and. I always like the sports analogies. And so we have team Liberty and, you know, as part of that, we have like the torch from, you know, uh, the statue of Liberty and, and we, our tagline is freedom lives here. And so freedom for families that we help freedom for our teammates that we're serving and, and guiding and coaching along. And then freedom for those people that eventually make a career transition and, and have ownership opportunities within our organization as well. So I love it. Well, and you and I have talked about this several times. In in my case, you know, I'm still a part-time entrepreneur. I'm not a full-time entrepreneur. So I have to hear you always kind of kicking my butt saying, when are you going to fire your boss, Nico? <laughs> well, you know, coaches sometimes tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, right? You've yeah. been a coach for many years. Very true. But so on my side, let me tell you a little bit about my story. Uh, apart Absolutely, from man. Been... I'm very curious because I know you're of some of your personal story, but I don't know as much on your professional story and kind of what yeah. led you to, to launching yeah. a business. So I, as I told you, born in Spain, came to the U.S., became a U.S. citizen, uh, done many things in different fields, um, basically groomed in, in corporate America, but abroad, right? So... Mm -hmm. I, I worked for DuPont for many years, um, started in uh, in Spain while I already had my own little company. So what's funny is I came out of college and started a company with a bunch of friends. Um, great lessons learned there. I, I will never forget the day we go pay our taxes and the lady from the taxes department, the equivalent to the IRS, sure. looks at us and says, really? I mean, you didn't, you didn't have anything else to do with all this money. <laughs> <laughs> Basically it's telling us, you know, you guys don't know what you're doing. You could actually start right. investing this money and, and moving it in a different way, but it was great lessons. Um, but, but you know, the big DuPont came to town and one of the things that I wanted to do is to, um, learn about the world and explore the world. And it was a great opportunity, honestly, to join a big company like that. 
So I joined and I stayed with them for 15 years of my career. Mm. But at some point in time, having been in Spain and then in Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate headquarters, and then in Geneva, Switzerland, I was looking at my resume and, it's, and it read DuPont, 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 DuPont. I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> either I become DuPont and I'm not, as you said, I'm not a DuPont family member. Um, right. So what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I decided that I have enough in me, enough elements in me to just do multiple things. Um, but so I took a little break. I was recruited by another big company, by the way, at the time, uh, a big ma uh, cement manufacturing company called Semex came to recruit me, recruited me okay. to be the global director uh, of communications and corporate affairs. Um, then I came to the U.S., got married, had kids. But all in between those, I had a lot of passion projects, small companies, and I always help people start their own business. Like my brother in Spain, he started his own business and I helped him launch it. Really? So I being on the sides, helping people launch businesses all the time. Right. And that together with then my doctoral degree in leadership and things like that, took me to a place where I thought that the best use of my time is to actually help others. Sure. Help others be better people, help others um, have better lives. And a big part of my advice to people when I do this kind of coaching is think about entrepreneurship very seriously, uh, especially if mm. you're in the US, but it doesn't matter where you are, because it is more of a self-awareness introspection than it is to only make money. That's why I say that when you say liberty, it's such a profound value that um and the way that you celebrate it is such a profound thing for me and i guess for many people that when when you and i said okay well let's let's actually talk about fire your boss as something that we can do in the podcast and um, i love it because it represents so much of what i think people want which is to achieve that state of independence <laughs> that nobody right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I heard somewhere in a talk that boss is double sob backwards, and so the word boss is actually <laughs> for, forbidden in our business. We talk about leaders. People are called leaders. They can be called coaches. You can call me knucklehead. Just don't call me a boss because I haven't found too many people that love their boss. Now, of course, I was a boss. You were a boss. There's a lot of people out there listening to this that are bosses. But a boss and a leader, I see a distinct difference between the two you know and so we just try to develop leaders within our office and, and servant leaders that are focused on helping others and of course you know through zig ziglar's adage if you help another enough people get what they want you can get what you want and so you know that wasn't um, ever taught to me in college I got four-year degree graduated college debt-free uh, paid for by myself but I never learned anything about money. I didn't learn anything about business. I didn't learn anything about self-development. There was none of that. And so all of that came to me when I got some mentors in the entrepreneurial realm that would, you know, first thing is, have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Have you read Think and Grow Rich? I'm like, no. They're like, what audiobooks are you listening to? 
I listened to Bob and Tom and Metallica. What do you mean? What's an audiobook, right? I mean, it was all foreign to me, but through business, I got put on a path of self-development and really had, had done my best to try to become uh, a person that, you know, my family respects and our team respects. And that was all done through business. So everything good that's come to me has come through business on that side, whether it be the income or just even becoming a better human being. My, yeah. you know, my spiritual life came to me through business. That 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 is another fascinating thing that um, sometimes we uh, we take for granted. That uh, sometimes we just think business, money, and and it's a lot more than that. And 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 as you're saying, sometimes it's it becomes uh, a center for reflection about your own life, and it has multi-dimensional aspects that I personally love to to talk to my uh, life coaching clients about is taking entrepreneurship as something that allows them to develop themselves in in multiple areas of life not just you know uh, their 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 wealth but but so sure. let me ask you something that I think is important in this first episode as we are testing the waters and trying to bring people some good news and tips and tricks and eventually I guess uh, uh, a bunch of guests that have gone through this journey. In your experience, what is it that people um, are thinking, or why do they hesitate? I mean, there's there's a moment where people either jump or they don't. Right. So, what do you see in that in that regard? Well, I think any big decision in your life, there's going to be hesitation. Uh, I'm not a. I mean, I'm. 50% A-type personality, but I'm 50% analytical, so I overthink a lot of things. And so I think hesitation is normal. Hesitation is valid. If you're, if you're not solely hesitating out of fear, if you're hesitating out of reflection and planning, hesitation is fine, right? But, you know, I was programmed in school, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. I followed that plan and literally that plan delivered everything that it was promised. I had the title and the income and the benefits and all of that stuff, but I didn't have inner peace. Right. And so if somebody is in that same situation where they don't like their income, they don't like their hours and how much control they have over their schedule. It's surely crossed their mind, right? But the number one killer of most dreams is fear of failure. Or maybe even more has more weight is fear of what other people will think. Right? They say behind every successful man is a shocked mother-in-law. Right. And so I remember having a conversation with my in-laws and it's like, hey, I'm going to leave my job and launch a business and this is going to be amazing. And and they're like, what are you thinking? Right. Like, don't do that. Right. I remember the day that I went to fire my boss. Uh, he had owned a business before. And I was the youngest executive in the company. He told me I was stupid. He told me I was throwing it all away. Like, what am I doing? And I wasn't cocky at all. I was naive. And I just remember thinking like, wait, you owned a business and now you're an employee 
why would I ever take advice from you about getting into business, right? <laughs> now, again, I'm sure he had greatest of intentions. I'm sure he was trying, but he didn't really breathe any wisdom into me. He didn't give me any life advice. He just told me I was stupid, right? right? Well, you know, I don't know if you're wired this way. I don't know if anybody listening is wired this way or watching, but if somebody tells me I can't do something, there's like a 50 to 70% chance that I will absolutely do it. Like, I don't like to be told what to do or what not to do. And so fear of failure was a big one for me. Fear of what other people thought was big. But my wife and our life was more important. And I, I could already predict what the future looked like if I stayed in the same position, right? I already saw people 10, 15, 20 years older than me, and they didn't look happy. They didn't look like they were having fun in life, right? I think another hesitation is really deciding what you want to do, right? Some people, a passion comes to them. Maybe they make model airplanes. Maybe they're a musician. Maybe they do things in art. Maybe they're very good at building things. Maybe they're very good at uh, IT and technology. And so there's something they're really good at. Uh, I, I started a financial company and I didn't, I had $12,000 of debt. I didn't know what a mutual fund was. I just wanted the freedom. And I figured if I could take apart an M16 and put it back together in a minute, like learning financial rules didn't seem that intimidating to me, right? And then I think lack of exposure to entrepreneurship, like I didn't even know that existed. That wasn't even a word in my vocabulary. I might've just learned how to spell it two years ago, right? Yeah, I just I mean, didn't know that that was a possibility, right? I grew up on the south side of the tracks. If there was any nugget that really like a little seed that was planted when I was younger is my dad was a very good golfer, like really, really good. Should have been pro, but circumstances kept him away from that. And so we lived on the south side in a shack, but he belonged to the country club on the north side of town because he wasn't going to play at the public courses. He called those hackers. You know, he wasn't going to play with the hackers on the goat ranches, he would call right, it. Right? right. So he literally, even though we were poor, he belonged to a country club, but he would drive to the north side, play in a beautiful country club, drive back side, back to the south side to his shack. But I remember going with him several times and hanging out afterwards and having lunch with the people he was playing golf with. And all of them seemed to own their own business. And all of them right. lived in the neighborhood where the golf course was. <laughs> and we would drive past those houses and I'd be like, wow, what what would it, I mean, how do I get in one of those, right? right. And right, so right, right, right. I just had a lack of exposure, but I did have enough to know that there was a better way. There, it seemed like other people were having more fun and making more money. I just didn't know how they were doing it, right? And I think another thing is too, many people just don't know where to start. They just mm -hmm. don't know where to start. So what our goal is with this podcast as well is give kind of some planning and some strategy and some things to think about that if this is part of, of your realm where you've always thought about it, or maybe you've done it in the past and you want to relaunch something, just give some advice. But then also from all aspects and all, all uh, areas of business, we're going to have expert speakers in that were employees that decided to launch their business, whether it be technology or coaching or um, janitorial business. I've got several, we've got several speakers lined up to kind of give you their story and how they got started and what motivated them. So you may not relate to me, 
or my story. You may or may not relate to Kiko, but there will be somebody in this podcast that you're going to relate to and say, oh, okay, that guy did it. If that guy can do it or that girl can do it, then maybe I can do it. And if yeah. we give, you know, they say uh, a drop of encouragement to one could be a river of hope to another. So if we can just give any sort of breeze in your wings or a little drop of encouragement, that's really the goal is with this podcast. Yeah, I love it. And you said something that is also very important, which is sometimes people connect with different stories that they don't need necessarily to connect with with you and I as the as the co-host in our sure. story. But as we bring people in, in different industries, it could be that all of a sudden someone says, oh man, truly, can you do that in music? Or can you do that in art? And can you do that mm -hmm. in this and the other? And because uh, you said also something that is fascinating to me and, and is very true that the exposure to entrepreneurship through resources that are not necessarily in the in the traditional water stream right you go you can go to college and i'm i'm a i'm an educator i'm i'm in college and, sure. and there are entrepreneurship programs that are great but entrepreneurship is something that you have to feel it and you have to start just getting um in those trenches that you when when you went to war and you actually feel the trench and you say wait a minute this is this is it. This is this. You have to feel it. And many times that comes from the most unexpected, if you want, not country club type of person that actually inspires you from whatever they are. And that's one of the things that fascinates me most about entrepreneurship is that anybody can become an entrepreneur and anybody can just find that freedom. You don't have to come from a lineage of anything. You don't have to belong to a dynasty of any names. That's true. And, and, and that is the beauty of also um, thinking about it as what you said, that independence, right? It's not only financial independence, which is critical and very, very important, but at the same time is this other level of independence and value. I told you a few times when I remember people that would work for the big corporations like DuPont and... Um, I, I remember this talk, man, I was in my 20s and this gentleman was retiring already from the company and said, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that I fear the most is whenever my name is not in a car that says DuPont on it. So who am right. I? Right after who that day. Right? Who mm. are you? And right. so you, one of the good things about creating businesses is that you create a legacy that is attached to you and that you can respond for it and the good things and the bad things, right? It's a, it's a right. very interesting way to create. Um, and also at the same time, you're creating wealth, you're helping the economy, you're helping your country. It's much bigger than you. Sure. And um, I think that with, with this idea of bringing guests and things like that, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, bring additional stories there. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, uh, one of my mentors said there's, never been a test nor will there ever be a test to judge the heart of a man or a woman right and i and i'm super excited for schools like purdue and many many others that have started entrepreneurial schools and in, in curriculum that really didn't exist when i was there at least it wasn't on my radar i don't think it even was a thing but the reality is you can't learn how to swim from reading a book you just have to dive in 
right? And you don't dive in the deep end first. So that's why finding something that you can do part-time and learn the business and prove to yourself that you can be successful is a great way to do it. But there's 168 hours in a week. You're telling me you can't find five to seven hours that are being wasted in front of the television or something else that you couldn't use that time to launch a business, right? To prepare to fire your boss, right? And so that's one of the things I'm most excited about is of just encouraging people, right? Encouraging people. I, I often tell people one of their homework is, uh, is when they come to work for me, they have to watch the Shawshank Redemption. So if you're not familiar, guess what your homework is? If you are familiar, I just say, I'm Andy and you're red. You're still trapped behind bars. I'm free. I'm on the beach, sanding my boat on the beach of San Juantanejo, right? Um, and I said, watch that movie because you got to be digging when the warden isn't looking. Right. And the warden is your boss. You got to be digging when the warden isn't looking. You got to be starting something up. If that, and again, maybe you love your job. Maybe you're not dissatisfied like I was. But what would an extra thousand or two thousand or three thousand dollars a month do for your family's financial future? Right. So it could be starting a business. Maybe you don't want to fire your boss, but maybe it could give you the means to take your lifestyle to the next level. So it doesn't always have to be. I mean, if you are an employee that loves their job, I mean, high five. I'll give you a hug. Like I have no hesitation to, to give you a high five and say, that's awesome. It just wasn't my situation. Right. And I had hit the glass ceiling by the time I was 30 and got burnt out. There was no way for me to go up because there was four managing directors. They all made six figures. They were all in their fifties and they weren't going anywhere anytime soon. And so I just saw that there was no future in that company. I was called by recruiters and they said, Hey, we want to talk to you about you know, making a career change would, could I buy you lunch? Of course, I'm a, I'm frugal. I'm like, yeah, of course, free lunch, let's go. And they would pitch and they would, you know, build a relationship and it was great. And they just, I'm like, okay, so what you got? And they're like, well, it's uh, the same position you're in, but with your competitor, but we'll pay you like 15 grand more. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You said you were going to, we were having lunch to talk about a career change. That's a job change. I'm like, it'll be the same job, the same stress. Everything will be the same. It'll be new and interesting for like six months. And then I'll be in the same exact situation I'm in. I'm like, call me when you have a career change for me and we'll have lunch again. Right. right? And so I just encourage people that if it's in your heart and you don't know, I see, hey, I launched a business before really the full internet was in existence. I mean, not the way it is now with YouTube and all these different videos and TikToks, man. You you can find your passion and you can literally learn for free from people that have already been there, done that, the things to do, the things not to do, and at least make an attempt, right? Yeah. Always check Absolutely. with your spouse first. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I came home and told my wife, I'm going to quit my job. She's like, no, you're not. So Make sure that your partner's on board with that. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just proud of you. I'm proud of the businesses that you've launched. Now you're helping your your partner launch a business, Kiko. And so you are a, a great friend and somebody I look up to. And I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with you. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. And, uh, you know, we're going to be repeating this a few times during this show. So we're going to end it today. 
just by saying what? Hey, hopefully we're going to help you one day fire your boss. Fire your boss. All right, Jim. We'll talk soon. All right. God Bye. bless you, Kiko. Thanks.